From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. All right, Um, we're going to be in Corinthians chapter 7, and I have a question for you. Last week we sang a song, and one of the lyrics was, I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and we just kind of declared that over and over again. And I don't know about you, but that captured me, that idea of I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. Now, I'd love to ask us a question. What does it look like to build our life? on his love. What does that even mean? In John chapter 14, Jesus will declare this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you grew up like I did with a fair amount of maybe heavy-handed legalism around you, that almost came off as a shaming statement. Like I must not, you know. And, and I think that we miss something in it because if we really understand what Jesus is saying, We realize that the commandments of God, the guidelines for living, are an invitation to experiencing his love. That the commandments of God, the guidelines for how we should live, are an invitation into experiencing his love. I would phrase it this way, living in the path of God, as revealed in the scriptures of God, is the foundation for building my life on the love of God. Living the path of God as revealed in the scriptures of God, becomes the foundation for building my life in the love of God. Why does that matter? I mean, it's a a great idea, but why does it matter today? Because we're heading into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 deals with some significant, I would maybe put them in quotes, where we live issues. Very, very practical issues daily life issues. Any of you, how many, how many people are married here? Raise, raise your hands. Let me see. Wow, okay. Vast majority of the room. How many people are, are willingly single? Let me see them. Love it. It's okay. Raise them up. Be proud. Yeah. Out of this teaching, you're going to understand that that choice is a God choice and it's a good choice. It's not some less than choice. But Paul's going to teach on several different things. I've broken this teaching into seven seven areas and if we're going to build our life on the love of God we have to be from the front end ready to put these things into practice the Hebrew culture the idea of listening in the Hebrew culture doesn't mean to hear and evaluate like it does that's a Greco-Roman idea to hear listen and evaluate and determine the Hebrew idea when we're in the presence of the Lord, when we're in the house of God, their idea of listening literally means to come with an attitude determined already to put into practice what you hear. And so, say this to your neighbor, I am Hebrew. Because you are. Hebrew is not a nationality. Hebrew became, was the, was the nationality that God began out of his loins with Abraham, and it was done through faith. There was no blood transfer to start Hebrew culture. It was a spirit transfer. God said to Abraham, you a man of faith, I want to build a nation through you. That's where it all roots. Therefore, you and I, grafted in, adopted in through Jesus, are just as much Hebrew. Therefore, you and I, 
grafted in as Hebrew people. This is not Zionistic. If you're freaking out, relax. I have a point. It means that whatever the Hebrew culture would give us in the Old Testament becomes understanding and standards. So when the Hebrew culture teaches that what it means for the people of God to listen is to come with a predisposition to make, put into action what they hear, that means for you and I, we have to have that attitude. I would challenge us when we're in spiritual environments to suspend the way we've been taught to think in our culture, which is, yeah, maybe. I'll see. The Word of God is inerrant. That's what is taught. It is capable of fortifying and building in us a holy mountain. And so Paul will break this 1 Corinthians 7 passage into seven areas. And I want to just give you an overview of where we're going for the next few weeks. Some weeks we'll handle one, some weeks we'll handle two or three. Just depends on the pace of what it takes to deal with them accurately. Here's my promise. We will not shrink back from hitting what is here. We will not shrink back from dealing with what is here. Some of this content, parents, is a little uh, sensitive. I personally, for my personal belief, think every young person should be hearing what the Word of God says about it because we're fooling ourselves if we don't think the world's already teaching them. However, I think it would be wrong for me to superimpose my opinion upon you. So next week is the most sensitive of the sessions. Next week, moms and dads, you're all going to go read 1 Corinthians 7 now and go, what is it going to be about? <laughs> next week, we'll have for the middle school age, um, I think it's preposterous to think high schoolers can't hear this. There's my fundamental opinion. But for any, any students that are in this room, moms and dads, if you don't feel comfortable with it, Pastor Ben's going to have them down in the office doing a Bible study in the book of James. And it'll be fun. They'll have a good time. He'll probably get them donuts because that's what he usually does. Um, but uh, So we're going to dive into that. I just want you, to, I want you to feel honored to make a choice, but I want you to hear my heart. I want to deal with this with discretion and with sensitivity, but in truth. Paul says speak the truth in love. So we can speak the truth out of love. We can speak the truth in an arrogance. We're not going to do that. We're going to talk about the truth just in gentleness. The seven areas we're going to hit is, first one, what we're going to be today. Is marriage worth it? Why bother? Given the divorce rates, given the catastrophes we see around us, is marriage worth it? Why bother? Why not just live together? Why not just decide, you know what? I found somebody I like. They're going to be my significant friend, and we're just going to hang the course, and we're going to do life this way because I don't want to get all my finances wrapped up in their finances. I don't want to start sharing homes and stuff. We're going to ask that question. Is marriage worth it? Why bother? Number two, what is healthy behavior between a husband and wife? Yes, we're going to talk about sex. It got really quiet. <laughs> I will call you all out for being chickens if you don't show up next week. Should I get married? Should I stay married? What if I'm in an awful relationship? I just, I need to get out of this. We're going to see what the Bible says about it. We're going to talk about the need to learn contentment in your life circumstances. How do I manage my own ambition? How do I manage my own angst? How do I manage my own desire to do something different and, and just, just move on because I don't like what's going on in my life? We're going to look at uh, the need to live in every relationship we have with an eternal perspective and how, how does that affect the way we handle each other. And we're going to answer a question, what if I need an outlet for my sexuality and I don't want to get married? And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the ways that impacts our culture. 
These are areas that Paul highlights in, in this chapter 7. And I think as we've been studying this, you would have to c- agree with me that we're coming to a pretty strong conclusion that it really matters to the Father, it matters to God that we build our sense of morality on his values, not on the world's values. Would we agree with that point? And so we're going to handle this with grace and with mercy and with dignity. We're going to try to keep these a little bite-sized and short because there's some big ideas to, to think upon. And so uh, that's, that's the game plan. So let's pray and let's dive into the first one today. Father, I love that you don't ever shrink back in Scripture and you're just honest and you're forthright. We do believe that all Scripture is God-given and God-breathed and it is able to help us become the people you've called us to be. And Holy Spirit, would you come this morning, would you settle our hearts, would you settle our fears and our anxieties? Lord, settle mine. Lord, settle, the, settle every, every one of our families in this room. And would you come and speak? Would you deliver for us fresh understanding and insight? Would you confirm what we're doing well? Would you coach what we're doing wrong? We invite that, Holy Spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Is marriage worth it? Paul says in verse 1, Now, regarding the question you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. So obviously the question has been posed to Paul by this young Corinthian church. They've sent a letter, and they're asking, "Should, should we even marry? Now, Paul's response, if I'm honest, at first glance is a little bit confusing to me. And here's why it's confusing to me. The word he uses is that it's more virtuous to not get married. And I struggle with that because in Genesis, God makes a declaration when Adam's in the garden. He says, it is not good for man to be alone. And so God makes, God decides after he's already worked through the entire animal kingdom and he's helped each part of the animal kingdom find its suitable mate, God in his wisdom says, the suitable mate for man is woman. Don't miss that declaration. God crafts Eve, creates her, gives her to Adam, puts them together, and it's, Adam's answer was, yeah, it's good. (laughs) So I struggle with Paul's statement here a little bit. Solomon will teach in Proverbs that the man that finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor. That actually means, young gentlemen, that the finding of a wife, the committing to a wife, the walking into the covenant of marriage draws an extra measure of favor, supernatural favor increases in your life when you marry. I actually believe what Paul's doing here is he's reacting to the question, do we need to marry? And in the chaos of the culture that he sees in Corinth and the world around with with a rampant misappropriation of sexuality, he says, I just so wish that you'd be alone. And he goes on later in the the chapter and shares why. We're going to look at that as well. Because I think it helps bring an answer to some people that say, I don't have an inclination towards marriage. I don't have an inclination towards the opposite sex. And our culture says, if you're not, then you are. And I think that's wrong biblically. So we're going to look at that later. But this morning, I just want to just take a few moments to, and when I say a few moments, I really actually mean a few moments. I mean like seven. Just smile, look at your neighbor and go, what? Seven minutes in church? That's amazing. 
Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it's good to abstain from sexual relations. What the statement reveals for us is that there was a confusion in the church about sexuality and how it should be handled. Would you agree with me that there's still a lot of questions in, uh, around that issue in our generation? It's confused completely. And church, part of why I believe it's confused is we haven't done the work to really ask, what does the scripture teach? We've allowed a lot of opinions, the humanistic mindset that says, I have no right to say that's a wrong idea. I can only say that's your idea. The scripture gives me the authority to build my life on it. It doesn't mean I have to be judgmental and a jerk. I think that's a whole nother conversation. But it does mean I have to embrace absolute truth. I think sexuality is a gift from the Father. I think it's an aspect of our lives. But I would love to submit an idea to you. Sexuality is not an identifier, nor a place we are to derive our personal identity from. It's an aspect of our lives. It's a gift from the Father, but it doesn't define us. And I think our culture, if we're going to really ask the question, what is our culture saying and what is the Bible saying? Our culture is saying that our sexuality defines us. And so identities are wrapped up in it. And I believe that is a fundamental outworking of immorality. Hear that statement. I think the enemy for years has had a heyday in bringing massive confusion to this issue. So much so that even in the church, at times we're on shifting sand and we just don't know what has the Father said. And if we're going to go back to the premise of I want to build my life on the love of the Father, therefore I'm going to build my life on what the Father says about how to live, we have to know what he says about how to live to follow that out. Because immorality at the root perverts truth. And so my goal in this is that we mine this passage for truth. Paul says, but because there is so much sexual immorality. It's an incredibly important phrase. And it's one I actually believe is key to understanding this verse and this whole passage. The word but because means due to or in response to. Paul says that in response to the incredible immorality of the day, marriage is a good idea. I would love to submit an idea to you that I hope excites you. Healthy marriages are intended to be the supernatural grace in a culture of sexu sexual immorality and perversion. Healthy marriages are intended by God to be the supernatural grace in a culture of immorality and perversion. And if we consider this thought, there becomes an incredible need for us to do marriage well. And this is Paul's assertion to this young culture. In the coming verses, he's going to help them understand how to accomplish that. He makes a phrase, each man should have his own wife. The word is to hold as a possession. He also says each wife is to have her own, her own husband. So he's saying to both parties, to both genders, you are to have a mate of the opposite gender and hold them like a possession, bind to them. The antidote to this immorality in our age is for a man to find a wife and for a wife to find a husband they're to hold tightly to each other, build a bond, and stick it out. That's the antidote to immorality. Have you ever considered that idea? 
Choosing a kingdom marriage becomes a supernatural antidote to the gross immorality of our age. Just by doing marriage well, we are fighting a war. We are becoming a living, breathing example to immorality. And see, the problem where the, where the conviction and the shame comes in is a lot of us would say, I'm not doing marriage well. I know that. This is a concern that I think we all should embrace and look at what does it mean to do it well. Marriage from a biblical point of view, it's important that we define this as we move into this teaching. According to Paul, according to Jesus, according to every other place in the Bible, it's between a man and a woman. Paul uses words that are incredibly clear and gender-specific here. Each man, it means man, the male species. Each woman, meaning the female species. That is what the words in the Greek mean, the original language. Paul's not saying each person is to find a suitable person that they want to be with. He's saying, no, each man is to find a suitable woman to be with. That is what the words say here. There's no gray area at all in this text. And if we take Paul's initial phrase, abstinence is a good thing, he's basically saying there's abstinence and there's marriage. Those are the two ways we can help redeem immorality. We can choose one of those two things. There's a concern I have in the modern church not a soapbox, just a concern. We have been pushing hard here to get you to hear the voice of God, teaching us to encounter the Lord, hear God, write it down. There is a balance that must be held, though. I would say it this way. It's really easy to hear God say what you want him to say when you need him to say it. And the way that I balance that in my life is I make sure that what I'm hearing from God is vetted through Scripture and the Scriptures uphold what I'm hearing from the Lord. And if I hear anything, feel anything, have a determination in my heart to do anything that is contrary to the scriptures, I hold that and I refuse to do it as a discipline to the text. That is the life that Paul teaches. It's the life that Jesus teaches in the scriptures. We allow the scriptures to have an authority in our life over our emotional constitution. Emotions are wonderful servants and they are awful masters. Because if I allow my emotions to lead me, I will allow myself to be led. And how many of us are really, really naive enough to believe the enemy can't manipulate our emotions at times? <laughs> Anybody ever been hangry? <laughs> and you would recognize that your emotions at that moment are a little, they're, they're controlling you a little stronger than you want. And then you eat and you're like, oh man, I feel like such a jerk. Because you recognize that you are in a completely different emotional place because of a physiological condition. I would just love to submit to us that our emotions, while they are a gift from God, need to be held carefully. They should never lead us. Let your heart be your guide is not a biblical idea. Let the scriptures be your guide is a biblical idea. And some of us have adopted a worldview in how we live, and then we want to add the scriptures to it. We need to come back to a center and say, the scriptures are going to trump where I want to go in life. And I'm going to, I'm going to work so my emotions come in line with those. One of the best things that was ever given to me by one of the leaders that was in my life, Kent Hummel, he would teach me this regularly. Motion creates emotion. 
You want to love the right thing? Do the right thing, and your emotions will follow. Because as a young man, worship leader, emotive, intuitive, passionate, it was easy for me to allow my emotions, which were so much stronger, to lead me. And he would just govern me and just coach me. Do the right thing and trust God with the process. Your emotions will catch up. So what happens if I hear God say something different to Scripture? No go. It just doesn't work. When I hear God say something that I know is contrary to Scripture, my first movement has become, Father, that's not the way your Scriptures are declared. It's not what I see there. Can you help me know why I'm thinking that and feeling that? What's going on? See, the Bible says that the, angel, the enemy will come as an angel of light at times. And if we don't have this fundamental value, we're going to be in deception. Deception is fully believing something is right that's wrong. That's all it is. Most people that are in deception didn't make an effort to get there. They just let go of fundamentals. I don't want us to let go of fundamentals. I would say this. Biblical marriage matters because it's intended to be a scrubbing agent of righteousness given by God to combat the perversion of our day. Biblical marriage matters. It is intended to become a scrubbing agent of righteousness to combat the perversion of our day. When I say those phrases and we walk through this simple teaching, do you begin to understand why there is so much warfare and attack on marriages? Do you begin to understand why See, there's a real thing Blinn and I've learned. Lo I love you is a good statement to make. It's a commitment statement. I like you is a fully different statement. I would contend that healthy biblical marriages need to move past just the commitment of love and move to a place where we're serving each other in a way that causes it to be easy to like each other. How many, would, how many married folks in here would say, yeah, there's been a lot of attack on marriage? I would say that. Doesn't it make sense? Where Paul says, but because of immorality, Paul says literally, the condition of the world is causing me to say this. Because of the condition of the world, you need to get married and do it well because it becomes a righteous standard in the culture. And all of a sudden we realize my marriage matters. My marriage isn't just some union that I made with a person and I wish I'd have thought of a different person because now that I know what I really want, I don't want them. Think this through with me. Is that line of reasoning ever going to get you anyplace healthy? What happens if you say, you know what, I trust God more than I trust myself. I don't know how all this works, but I know this. The, the, the discipline it takes to live in a good relationship with another human being, if I just put that into my marriage, we're probably going to be fabulous. Instead of, I wake up and I act like a jerk and I wonder why it's bad. Biblical marriage matters. Healthy marriages purify a culture. That's what Paul's teaching. You say, my marriage is, my marriage is it, it's hurting. I know that young people that are here and they're not married, you're like, this isn't for me. It is. Here's why. Some of you are considering marriage. You need to understand this. Biblical marriage matters. We want you to do it well. But those of us in here that are married might be wrestling with, my marriage is not great. Can I ask for a really simple word to be used? 
What if you evaluate your own heart, not your, not your spouse's? You just evaluate your own heart, and you ask this question. Am I living in kindness and grace and mercy and love towards my spouse? Am I serving my spouse? And let's deal with us. And let's begin to get rid of every place the enemy can use against us because we like to partner with his principles. As we head into this study, that's, that's question number one. What does it look like if we all take personal ownership over the kind of spouses we are? I'm going to love my wife, wives. I'm going to love my husband, not because I think he's amazing, as unto the Lord. It's an act of worship. Some days worship costs me a lot. Some days worship costs me pride. Some days worship costs me energy but I'm going to love them unto him. I'm going to pray for them unto him. I'm going to carry them before him and assume that he put me in their life because he wants their life bettered. So he trusted me with them. Can you hear that? That God has trusted you with your spouse. Because his intention is to use us in the cities we live in, in Fort Collins, in Loveland, in Windsor, to use us as a standard of righteousness that begins to combat the immorality of the day. Let's stand. How many would say, yep, that hit me where I live? Amen? Okay, no condemnation ever. That's not the point. The point is never to look back. The point is to look forward. If you're here with your spouse, grab their hand, please. If you're not, put your hand on your heart. Father, we believe that in this one simple verse in 1 Corinthians 7, we see something that's incredibly powerful. Marriage matters. It matters in the kingdom. It matters on earth. And Lord, we want to partner with you to do marriage well, so that we can be, we can take our place in line to combat the perversion of the day. We love you and we need you. Lord, all of us are faulty and our, our, our pride and our arrogance gets in the way. And Lord, we just cry out for repentance to come into every heart. That we would repent for the areas we know we are wrong and we would submit the areas that we believe our spouses are wrong and we let you deal with those. Jesus, we commit right now that we will step away from the place where we want to bring conviction and we want to itemize and point out. And we just want to have you search our hearts and deal with us. May your face shine upon us this week, Lord. We love what you do. We know that you are, you are growing in us, the people that you've called us to be. And we embrace that and we honor it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Uh, quick updates for you just for this week. Um, prayer. Um, and if you've, if you've lost anything over the last year or so, check your lost and found. It's kind of overflowing, and I'm going to send it to the Goodwill if we don't find it. Um, so it's in the back in the children's area. Look at that. But prayer, 7, seven o'clock Wednesday nights. It's a blast. Come join us. Love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.